The movie is called An Interview with God. A journalist prays. He's going through some struggles, some questions, some questions that he doesn't even know he really has. And God answers his prayer by showing up. And they have three sit-down interviews. And it's, it's fascinating. What would you do if you had a few sit-down interviews with God? What questions would you ask? What would be the cries of your heart? What would you want to know? Would you want to know the future? How would you feel in that moment when God looked you right in the eye? In the book of Habakkuk, the prophet has kind of a, a moment with God like this. His, his heartbeat, his his cries, what he's really feeling. He kind of lays it all out there. When I go to the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk, one of the minor prophets, um, I always see it in three acts, three chapters, three acts. Let me give it to you. Act one. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, violence, but you do not save there's bad stuff going on. Aren't you, aren't you paying attention? How long must I call for help? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. How long, Lord, must I call for help? Act two. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. The Lord's answer comes. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false, though it linger. Wait for it. Wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Habakkuk cries out in Act 1. How long? Lord, don't you see what's going on? God answers, you have to wait for the right time. You have to be patient. Habakkuk, Act 3. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known. And it's almost like Habakkuk comes full circle. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Though my team doesn't win the game this afternoon. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. What happens in these three acts? How does Habakkuk go from crying out to getting to this place where he's 
willing to understand something deeper, something bigger, something, something greater. Psalm 42 was the, the essence of the reading this morning by Tom Wright. And just as we have in Habakkuk 3, this concept of the, the feet of a deer, we get this, this picture of some wonderful creation of God. That, that picture comes back in a little different way in Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? What would you do if you had a chance to, to meet with God? What would you say? What would you, you see and feel and understand differently if God was looking you right in the eyes? My tears have been my food day and night. Well, people say to me all day long, where is your God? You're a pretty fine example for being a person of faith. Look at your life. Look at it. Can't even believe that you would offer yourself as some example of a person who, who believes. Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. So there, was a, there was a time I remember, it was a good time. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? My soul is downcast within me. Why have you forgotten me? One of the beautiful lines in the, the reading this morning was this. It's my favorite line from that reading, which came from the Daily Bread. My father felt the beginnings of a quiet peace enter in alongside his pain. My father felt the beginnings of a quiet peace enter in alongside his pain. Though he had no answers, though he had no answers, he was loved. And I think that's what Habakkuk was, was walking into. He didn't have any answers, but he knew somehow beyond what everything looked like, that he was loved. This, this passage here in Psalm 42, um, the message puts it this way at the very beginnings. I want to drink God, deep drafts of God. I'm thirsty for God alive. I wonder, will I ever make it arrive in drinking God's presence? I'm on a diet of tears, tears for breakfast, tears for supper. But at the end of the Psalm, it is written, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The beginnings of a quiet peace enter in alongside the pain. No answers. But maybe the answer is just God. A long time ago, I put together what I called the 10 integration tasks of adult life. And I listed them all out. And, and they never made it to CNN, and it didn't turn into a book, and, and nobody came calling and said, you have made an astounding psychological, spiritual discovery, these 10 integration tasks. Would you like to come speak at Harvard? Nobody came, and nobody asked, and, and so they're still in a file upstairs somewhere. But one of them, one of them I always remember, because I think it's the most important one of all. It's what I call the task of dealing with ambiguity. Adults must 
deal with ambiguity all the time. We have to deal with it. We have to, we have to live in it and through it and see it. I looked up, I went to the thesaurus to check it out, which is next to the stegosaurus, which is right near Tyrannosaurus rex. The thesaurus, can't even say it. But here are the words that, that this dinosaur book gave me. Ready? Vagueness, uncertainty, haziness. Can't make it out. The simple word that we all know, doubt. Indistinctness, no real definition. Obscurity, kind of in, in the shadows. Vagueness, uncertainty, haziness, doubt, indistinctness, obscurity. Dealing with ambiguity. It's one of the major tasks of our lives. And whoever said it's not supposed to be this way set it from being squarely in the ambiguity zone. Let me tell you the truth about outcomes when you're in the ambiguity zone of your life. So the title of this message is, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, and I just grabbed it off the cover of this book. Great book, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, Finding Unexpected Strength When Disappointments Leave You Shattered, Lisa Turkhurst. And in her introduction, she writes these profound words. Humans are very attached to outcomes. We say we trust God, but behind the scenes, we work our fingers to the bone and our emotions into a tangled fray, trying to control our outcomes. We praise God when our normal looks like what we thought it would. We question God when it doesn't. And walk away from him when we have a sinking suspicion that God is the one who set fire to the hope that was holding us together. We motivate ourselves to get through the bad of today by playing a mental movie of the good that will surely come tomorrow, and if not tomorrow, soon, very soon. And this good that comes will be such a glorious outcome that we will exhale all the anxiety and finally say, whew, I can honestly say it was worth it. It was worth it. Cue the redemption song and a small ticker tape parade begins. The good outcome will look like we dreamed. It will come as fast as we hoped it would, and it will make all the wrongs right, right, right. Those who walked faithfully with us during this hard season will feel their investment of time with us, and casseroles made for us was a good one. They fulfilled yet another kingdom assignment. Check the list, and now let's all be happy. Those who shunned you or judged you or worst of all, somehow used your season of pain against you will see how wrong they were and they will apologize. This is the acceptable outcome. This is how the formula should calculate. Hard time plus healing time plus staying faithful to God should equal the exact good outcome we were counting on. But if you are a human who has been doing the adult thing for more than 24 hours, you've probably come to the same stunning revelation as I have. We cannot control our outcomes. We cannot formulate how the promises of God will actually take shape. And we will never be able to demand any of the healing from all the hurt to hurry up. I ride this struggle bus, but I'm never comfortable with the fact that I can't grab the wheel and drive it back to normal. This isn't how I pictured my life right now. And this probably isn't exactly how you thought things would look in your life right now either. And so Lisa talks about riding a struggle bus and that you can't demand the outcomes and you can't 
figure it all out. It's kind of like living in the world of Habakkuk. It's kind of living in Psalm 42. It's kind of like realizing that the truth about outcomes is we can't control our outcomes. We ride the struggle bus. We buy the 30-day pass and we ride. And just to, to give you the reality of the author's life so that you don't think she's just a great writer and she writes down biblical truths and, and she's able to see these great nuggets of wisdom and, and deliver them to us. Let me read to you from one of the early chapters. When I wrote my last book, Uninvited, I felt I had wisdom to share on the very painful subject of rejection. God had helped me make so much progress with the painful rejections of my past that I felt certain I could help others. I pictured my reader sitting knee deep in rejection's grief, feeling less alone because she could sense me there with her. She could rely on the fact that my teachings weren't good sounding theories, but hard fought for truths. She would know I felt the depth of her pain so she could trust there was hope for her healing as well. I wrote the book. I turned it over to the editors. I checked the assignment off my list. Life moved on. And then I found out about my husband's affair. Life as I knew it stopped. It turned upside down. All the best parts were shaken loose. The more I tried to grab hold of what was falling down around me, the more I realized my utter lack of control. As I described at the beginning of this chapter, I'd been hurt plenty of times in my life, but nothing like this. Things crashed. Things broke beyond repair. Things went from being whole to being reduced to dust. I crawled into bed. I willed the world to stop spinning. I wanted everything to pause and stop hurting me, but nothing did. You see, she's lived this. She has lived the ambiguity. She has lived the cry of Habakkuk. She has lived in Psalm 42. We ride the struggle bus. We buy the 30-day pass. So is there an answer? Is there an answer to the fact that you can't control your outcomes? Paul gave an answer in Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Not having all the answers demands a transcending of all understanding. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Paul writes, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I know what it is to be in need and I know what what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all this. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So Paul, Paul stakes out three directions for when you are riding the, the struggle bus for when you're in the ambiguity zone. 
He says, pray in the middle of ambiguity. In the middle of ambiguity, you don't have, have to have all the answers. You might not even know all the questions. Even if God was sitting right there in front of you, you might not know the questions. Pray in the middle of the ambiguity. Remember, God hasn't changed. The God who is the God of Noah has not changed. The God who is the God of Israel going out of Egypt and through the Red Sea hasn't changed. The God who came as a baby in Bethlehem, the God who went to a cross for you and for me hasn't changed. Remember, God hasn't changed and he hasn't changed for you. And third, be content knowing where the power comes from. Be content knowing that where, where the power comes from is, is an everlasting power source. The power is not of us, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians. It's not of us. It's his power. It's his power in us and through us. That's our only hope. When you're in the, the ambiguity zone, when you're, you're crying out like Habakkuk, when you're stuck in Psalm 42, it's the only hope to know that there's a power that's greater. You don't have to have all the answers. I was invited to a press conference on Wednesday in Richmond. And so I jumped in my car and I drove up and I made it to Richmond in 90 minutes. I set a land speed record for getting to, getting to Richmond from, from Virginia Beach. And uh, I was invited by Bob McDonald to be a part of this. It was the uh, announcement that Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia, according to a proclamation by Governor Northam, was moving into what he called a year of reconciliation and civility. A year of reconciliation and civility that we in our communities across this great commonwealth need to understand that we need each other and we need to honor each other. We need to respect each other. We need to come together and, and be in unity with each other. Let me read you a little bit of the proclamation. I encourage you to just Google Governor Northam proclamation. It'll pop up. You can read the entire proclamation of a year of reconciliation and civility. Whereas the Declaration of Independence acknowledges that all people have inalienable rights endowed by their creator, and the United States Constitution guarantees equal protection under the law, and whereas these spiritual, whereas these spiritual, political, and economic truths are fundamental American guarantees, but they are not realized in every community. The Proclamation goes on to say, we are purposing to bring communities together and bring people together and bring honor and civility to the way we conduct our affairs in this great commonwealth. And so few people spoke and the whole affair took about an hour and then they opened it up to questions from the press court. And a uh, gentleman in the back raised his hand. And I'll never forget this this moment. He said it this way, very simply, very succinctly. He said this, how do we know this isn't just kumbaya? How do we know this 
just isn't kumbaya. And you know what he was saying, and I know what he was saying. How do we know this isn't smoke and mirrors? How do we know that when the other shoe drops, you're just not going to like pull a string, and it's all just going to go poof? How do we know this just is like a lot of fluffy words, like, like politicians use, a lot of fluffy words, then we just go on with business as usual, and people don't respect each other, people don't honor each other, people get sideways with each other all the time. How do we know that? And I'm sure that was on a lot of people's minds. At that moment, I had this urge within me. Let me give you a picture of the urge. I was going to take three or four steps to the podium. I was going to push the former governor, McDonald, out of the way. I was going to take the microphone. I was going to say, let me tell you, sir, a few things about kumbaya. Then I would have been on the front page of the paper <laughs> on Thursday. But I, I didn't do that. I didn't want to create such a stir, and, uh, but I, I thought it was, was quite the unique moment. How do we know this isn't just kumbaya? And so you have to look at kumbaya, right? Kumbaya, what does it mean? Come by here, come by here. And it's usually followed by two words, my Lord, come by here, my Lord. And this is what I would have said if I jumped to the podium, would have said, if it isn't, Kumbaya, we should shut it all down right now because kumbaya is what it is. It's what it needs to be. Because without God doing this, we are hopeless. We can't do it. Without God showing up, it's, it's just a, a bunch of people saying a bunch of nice things and a bunch of people taking pictures. And then we go on down the road and nothing ever changes. Without, without God in the equation, we got zip in the vernacular, we just got zip. It's got to be kumbaya. Kumbaya is the only thing that makes it work. Come by here, Lord. Come by here. Habakkuk had to learn that. The psalmist had to learn that. Paul had to learn that. I love these quotes from the book, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. Sometimes to get your life back, you have to face the death of what you thought your life would look like. And that's a kumbaya moment. Come by here, Lord. Come by here and help me figure out this life that I have that I didn't think I was going to have, but I have it. Disappointment isn't proof that God is withholding good things from us. Sometimes it's his way of leading us home. Kumbaya. My Lord, kumbaya, lead us home. God loves me too much to answer my prayers at any other time but the right time and in any other way but the right way. Because he's a God of truth. He's a God of grace. He's a God of love. He's the kumbaya God. Using God's truth as your fighting words will not change what you see but it will absolutely change how you see. Kumbaya, my Lord, give me new eyes. Kumbaya, my Lord, give me a new vision. Give me a new heart. And then my favorite quote from the entire book. Sometimes you just have to walk in your I don't know. Sometimes you just have to walk in your I don't know. No. In between services, I was talking to somebody out near the bistro. They'd never heard the word kumbaya before. 
And so it was part of their I don't know. And they were walking in it. And so they thought they would look it up. And they looked it up and they learned what it was. They said to me, I thought you were talking about Hakuna Matata. <laughs> hey, what'd you learn in church today? Oh, Pastor talked about Hakuna Matata. I think it had to do with the Lion King. Oh, that's really good. Hakuna Matata. Uh. Sometimes you just have to walk in your I don't know. Do you know what it's like to walk in your I don't know? I'm sure you do. I do. And this is how James spoke about the I don't know. James 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you walk in the I don't know. Whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. And that points out the difference between ambiguity and honoring ambiguity and, and walking in the I don't know and doubting God in the midst of that. And if you look at Habakkuk, he comes right back to it. He goes, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. And so as you, as you have to walk in your I don't know, keep saying kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya. And James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all and it will be given to you. C.S. Lewis put it this way. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. But because by it I see everything else short note came for you. Just short note. Dear friends, when you're walking in your I don't know, I'm right there. Sometimes I'm waiting with you for the right timing. Sometimes I'm waiting with you for the right moment of forgiveness to wash over your soul. Sometimes I'm waiting with you for you to remember I'm waiting with you. You can't control the outcomes. You can control your directions. You can find your way into my words. You can find a way to let others into your ambiguity. You can find your way into courageous choices. You can get off the struggle bus by saying, this is my stop. The bus keeps rolling until you pull the wire. Yes it's not supposed to be this way, is a correct statement. It's not supposed to be this way. But it is this way now. 
So I will carry you in my broken heart until I get you home. That's the outcome Jesus died for. That's the outcome we are all waiting for. You see, I believe that you can have better relationships. I believe you're responsible for your own relational maturity. I believe you need God in all of your relationships. I believe God must be the primary relationship of our lives. Kumbaya, Lord. Kumbaya. That's the hope that arises out of ambiguity. Dear Heavenly Father, as we learn these great lessons from Habakkuk, from Psalm 42, from what Paul wrote, what James wrote, Father, press these lessons into our hearts. Allow us to know that we can't do anything without you, that we can't accomplish anything unless you are doing it in us and through us. Father, the, the struggle bus tries to keep coming around to pick us up and take us on a ride. Oh, Father, even when we get on it, let us not take a long ride. Help us to, to see and to know the grace. Help us to see and know the power that can come from you. Help us to, to be able to live in the I don't know and know that you're going to show up. Oh, Father, we give you these times and these moments because we love you and because we know you love us. And that is all the relational glue we need today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.